Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to part two of this very special show on the Square Ball podcast. Dan and Michael here with you uh, as we go into part two of Alan Sutton. Um, Alan was the, the physio for Leeds for many a good year. And if you haven't yet listened to part one, go back and listen to it. And if you've not subscribed to TSB Plus, get that and then listen to the extra bit that's coming as well. So yeah. the, we've, we've managed to get three parts out of him, which has been excellent. Yeah, and that was just the tip of the iceberg as we sat and talked to Alan Sutton for hours and hours on that day. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we need to get him back in because we... We more or less stopped at the mid-90s, didn't we? And there's an awful lot after that. So we'll get him in for another another four hours or something <laughs> another day. In the meantime, enjoy part two of Alan Sutton. Yeah, and as Michael said, TSB Plus members, check your feed as well. Another half-hour bonus stuff coming your way. Enjoy. Fantastic, fantastic uh, three years. It wasn't easy behind the scenes. It was everything very, very professional. As for what you won, which I'm pleased for every Legion United supporter, is uh, they won the trophies, but at the same time, you missed the Billy era as well because they laughed at the fun. And I think so, this was a really, really, and as I put uh, I, the Norwegian society, you know, uh, supporters from Scandinavia going to us from me, said, Well, which were your favourite managers and all that? I said, Well, obviously, Billy. I said, But Howard Wilkinson put Leeds United back to where they belonged, and it needed someone like an Howard Wilkinson with his thing. And again, I think because it was an outsider coming in, a bit like me. I wasn't a Leeds supporter going in. Who did you grow up supporting, sorry? Well, Bradford City, obviously, yeah. I used to follow all over the place. Yeah. Right? And then I got into really great players, what I loved. And Man United at that time. I know everybody else. But Man United, <laughs> but with Duncan Edwards. And then the player I followed, but it wasn't because he went to Man United. The player I followed, who I really loved watching, because I first came across him at Huddersfield Town with Dennis Law. And then I followed his career. I was fortunate to meet him at Big John's funeral. But also at that era as well, another great era, you know, back in the 50s, was John Charles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember going to his last, mum and dad took me to his last game, you know, where you're on about age you were. I was only, you know, 1956, I'd be 10-year-old. And they took me to his last game against Sunderland down here at Ellen Road. <coughs> I remember that. And then, I, like I put in the book, I know the fort 30 years later, I'm having fish and chips with him on a, on a Friday and him telling me about his great days at, uh, at Juventus. And then, of course, he had that great, which uh, I think you mentioned it, uh, Michael, about uh, Vinnie Brocky when they had the uh, for a uh, testimonial for uh, John Charles and uh, Bobby Collins mm. when uh, uh, when obviously they had Platini and all them playing. Yeah, I, so, got his, I got his autograph that day, Platini. Did you really? I did, yeah. And I've got I've got his shirt, and I've also got his autograph on it because Eric Cantona took it to Wembley when they were manager of France in 1992, and he got it to sign it for me. 
So I've got platini shirt from that. Because in them days, people forget I was a kit man as well as a physio. Yeah. Up to them first uh, first three years, I had to do the kit on the match day. So after the game, I was collecting all the kit in as well as doing the treatment as well. You know, so that's how it was in them days. So, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The parallels between what, what Wilkinson did. You said it needed that, that outside voice to come in and just change things at Leeds. And it, there are real parallels with Bielsa, aren't they? About he came in with his own ideas and said, I'm the boss, this is how it's got to be. Yeah. I only came across him once when I was training ground talking to Calvin Phillips because uh, obviously I'd known Calvin since he was 17, 18 and, and just before the left league, like, and we became good friends. And uh, yeah, uh, as you said, he came in, the, the number of managers had had in. We had like the revolving door up at Pope Arch and it seemed to be, he just seemed to go on and on revolving. Uh, a manager would be there for about three or four weeks and then he'd be, he'd be out this way and somebody else is coming in the other way. Like, you know, mm. you're in that period when Selenio, when he came in, yep. not the best of time really. But uh First 16 years at Leeds United, four managers. Then after that, whenever, you know, when it all went a bit pear-shaped, you know, when uh, Peter obviously said, made his famous words, you know, we lived a dream, and we did. Mm. And then everybody lived a nightmare after it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially when I'm talking about, I know the fans will dabble up, but you had to be working up at Four Parts, and the people behind the scenes, you know, in the offices, the canteen, or Isabel and Lado and all these people, and you, you really felt for them, because you know, obviously... You're going to sleep, you don't know whether you're going to have a job or you're going to have, you, yeah. you have any money at the end of the week, like, you know? Yeah. Because that's how bad it really, people don't realise what it's like. And that's why I've wrote in my book as well, if I can just say, yeah, that's why I know people still hammer Alan Smith for going to Man United. But as he told me, he rang me, he said, Alan, I'll sign for Man United, but I'll tell you now, because the money what they've got for me, if that had been Portsmouth, West Ham, anybody who paid that money, I'd have signed for anybody just to make sure Leeds United were saved. Because he's Leeds United through and through. I mean, you, you must have some good memories from before it all went bad, you know, like the European times, because oh. it, it, it catapulted <laughs> us to a different oh. level, didn't it? It did. I suppose we're a bit like Portsmouth. Portsmouth ended up winning the cup with probably money they didn't have at yeah. the time, really. Like, you know, you can't take that away. And and as a fan, if you, you know, if you're a fan, you, you must have loved it. I mean, all the tricks what we had, and we were going in planes, right? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I remember one time when we, uh, you know, when we got beat by Valencia. We were on the play coming back. And I remember David Batty sat in his seat and Alan Smith, he sat facing him with his back against another seat. That's how big a room you had. Yeah. yeah. Got about tw- you had these seven, four, sevens or whatever. Just like 28 seats and all the rest were lounges. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And it was, you just can't believe it, the money what they laid, you know, yeah. they laid out for him. It was. They did live the dream, but, you know, the same time. But nice to be on the inside and enjoying that. I mean, I know, like... Oh, you know. It, listen, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, look, it, I remember Eddie Gray saying to me, there's nothing like the European nights, even when he, when I was a player. It's a totally different night altogether. And they were right. You know, you're playing AC Milan, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Obviously, what I remember a little bit more about it is you had the Boyer and uh, Woodgate case going on at the same time. So whereas Woody were all right for the first lot, the second lot, obviously, he, he think, but, but Lee Boyer, have you ever seen a player play better after being in court all day? It was like as if it was some sort of release with him. I remember him coming down the tunnel, lads are coming in from having afternoon sleep, you know, getting himself sorted out, and he's walking in after being in court all day. I'd be getting him beans on toast. Come on, Lee, <laughs> let's get beans, beans on, on toast. toast. Beans on toast for someone to eat. And he'd go out there, like AC Milan, and he scores winning goal for you against AC Milan, and 
it was just like, it was, it was just unreal. That crazy, crazy time, what was happening round about there, everything. But also, I think in the other day, which I am really putting the book up, if you looked at the club, Leeds United, and obviously you've got to say Howard Wilkinson was the uh, architecture of it. If you look at the 1990, from 1990 to 2000, nearly every team at Leeds United were winning somehow. The first team, 1992. The youth team, 93, winning youth cup. And then, then we call it after having a poor, poor season. And whether Howard Wilkinson today, like what happened at Leicester, would have survived that second season after winning the championship. You know, because we've been, mm-hmm. we're only two points from getting relegated that yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I know we got there two games before when we knew we'd be safe. But would he have survived as a manager today? You know, in today's life? Yeah, probably not. You know, like what happened at Leicester with uh, uh, Ron Jerry. And then from there, then, then we qualified then for Europe again when we played at Monaco with Yobo and everybody. <laughs> Yobo. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I saw him in a different light than what probably the supporters and everybody else seen him. Well, what light did you see Tony Yobo in then? Oh, uh, Yobo. If you could get him fit, we got him fit for one season. Probably, <laughs> right? And he, played, he probably played about a season and a half. That first season, he scored goals. And what he did, he like side put it into the net a bit like an old Jimmy Greaves. The second season, as you know, Liverpool, Wimbledon, and just smashed them in. But I always remember when they first came, a bit like Baduka actually. I remember the first game, right, his fitness were weirder. And so me and Mick Hennigan and the manager had been running around the track at Ellen Road to get some fitness into him. Right. I take him down this side, then Mick would take him down that side, the manager <laughs> take it to get some fitness into him. And the Dukes were the same actually when he first came, like, you know, he would never play. When he, if you ever saw him in pre season, you say, well, he's useless. He had this thing. He once did his media ligament, he told me, in pre season game. And after that, he played, but he never went out of his way to do anything that were going to put him under pressure. But once that, when we went to West Ham that first game, because that pre season, thought, is he ready for it? You know, is he ready? Once that gun went off, we went to West Ham, he scored both goals with one two one. And that volley as well. And that volley. Yeah, was, volley well, that yeah. on the Monday after the uh, West Ham, I think, wasn't it? What was it? Oh, there were so many. There was a West Ham one, it was the open day, more or less took the back of the net off with that one as well. It was McClough's going net. And it, just, was, it might have been a half volley, mightn't it? Yeah. He just sort of stands and looks at it and goes, well, I, can't, I couldn't even see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. But once that gun went, mm. you saw a different person. It's like, oh. Was it like a switch going off then when he got out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. like I said, it would alter. I asked him, why? Well, I mean, pre-season, this is when you, when you try and get your fitness, try and get your, your game time. No, 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 no. He said, no, no, I'm not. He said, I got injured my knee. No, no, I do not I do not, uh, I do not play pre-season. Uh, that's when I got injured and I missed my... Is, is there anything you can do? I say you as a physio, but there's also Howard as the manager. Is there anything you can do about that? Or is it just no. a case of, well, do you know what? If that's what he's going to be like, if he keeps scoring, we, we, we just leave him precisely, alone. Precisely, yeah. precisely. That, that's it. I think precisely... The pre-season now to get what counts is that once that gun goes off beginning of the season, that's what counts. You can win seven, eight, whatever you want pre-season. It's what counts when that gun goes off, and that and that will end. And as you said, I think there was an interview when he scored the hat trick at Wimbledon, right down at Sellers Park. And I always remember he did an interview afterwards. Tony, what about what about that second goal? You know what really took mm. off? And they like, yes, 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 yes. Uh, today. <laughs> Before I left, my wife said to me, Tony, I would like you to score a goal for me today. So I scored three goals for her today. And it was something like that interview. We going, what? what, what you, you know what I mean? It was so, oh, it, it, honestly, he, uh, he, he, he was something else. Once he got in fit, but when once his fitness went, mm. then you know what I mean? Was that why George Graham 
never used him really. Just didn't, couldn't <laughs> yeah. get him fit enough. Well, yeah. Well, I, I'd take him. I'd take him running. Like we used to have a little thing that the the, the uh, Spofford railway track down between Weatherby and Spofford. They were like I have you know all the runs I did. It were all measured out time everything. I remember measuring it. It were like two and three quarter miles from where the old shed thing was out to Spofford, and then two and three two and three quarter miles back. So everybody run together out, and then everybody for himself coming back. Well, Tony, I mean, I must have been 40 years old and well, he's just dancing back. I said, hey, you're supposed to be getting past me. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I'm right, I'm right. And you're not so like no wheeling, but we're already half a mile further down than you. Down you like, you know what I mean? Uh, and you just like dance back like, you know, you just like, every dinner time, you used to be in, Phil Missinger and Lucas Adiba, and they all used to have the, the meals together, like, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, they, were, they had that pat like, you know. That's why when they played in African Nations, when Lucas really shouldn't have played, but anyway, that's another story about, <laughs> with Wilkinson. But uh, when he'd done his ACL and then he'd come back. Anyway, and I still say today, because you know what a great finisher you were, you know, you were. Well, in that semi-final, they played Ghana, and I think Lucas slipped and Yobo had gone past and he's missed. He's actually missed the target. And you say, Lucas, you know, Tony Ward never misses the target. And I, I'm not sure with Tony, I'm not sure how much football really meant to him. It was just easy for him, you know. It was just mm. like, it was, you know, he just played, and it was because it was uh, like a, it was a god-given talent for you, Boa, wasn't it? That's the thing. You, yeah. you watched him finish, and it looked like it was the easiest thing in the world because it was it was brilliant. It was, you know, it, honestly, it was, and it was, and 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 I have to wonder, you know, did it come too easy to him? Maybe I don't know. I think life, you know, just life was how it was, and obviously, I write obviously in there about what happened on Cup final day, League Cup final day. Mm. I don't know if you've seen the article where. Where he pulls me before the game, start the game, half hour, kicking off at five o'clock. Half past four, he pulls me and said, Alan, my knee's not right good. And I'm going, what? Because Jeff was in charge then, Jeff Ladley, and also Wilkinson. I thought, oh. So what I did, I, eventually, I said, look, go out there, start the game, see how we go. And then after 10 minutes, whatever, if it's not right, go down. I'll prime Jeff, let him know that you might have a little problem with your knee. We'd already got Brian Dean and I think Thomas Brolin on the bench mm. that day. So I said, you know what I mean, I'm sure I can think from there. As it turns out, he played the full game. And he said, what it nerves, what it, well, he played, in, he played in, you know, in all the international matches and all that. I just don't know. I know we're rubbish on the day, like, you know what I mean? But, but what was it like that day? Because, I mean, you, you mentioned Brolin being on the bench. I can remember the fans singing, why is Brolin on the bench? And It turned on Wilco. Yeah, that's that the day, day, wasn't that it? That day, and I wrote in the book, and I didn't always get on with Al Wilkinson. We had his, you know, issues, right? That's what I'm always saying, that, even today, I was still amazed I lasted eight years with him. <laughs> but as a physio, you do become friends with players, but you've always got to keep that little distance. You're always working for the manager, right? Anything I can find or anything, I can drop him in what might just solve a problem without it gets out of hand. And that, for me, is the best way for the team, doing things, and you just observe without... Nothing from there. And that's what so, so if you've spotted something, maybe a little conversation to happen, you might just relate well, to the manager. Well, there's just, or... just certain things that you might, and I'll give him his credit, whatever ever it was, or there was an issue, it never went back to me. He never did it straight away. He just waited his time with, like, the captain, whoever the captain was. He had to have these relationships. And it was very, very good, you know, certain things like that, like, you know, so, yeah. so I can't take anything away. And there's a, going back to the beginning, as you said, with Bielsa, maybe that's what it needed. I mean, everybody gutted that Billy got... And as I put in the book, the day that Billy got fired, something happened, I don't think it has ever happened in football since. 
and that is the chairman, Mr. Silver, who for me, it till today were probably the best chairman ever at Leeds United. He had me in his office to explain why they sat, uh, sat Billy Bremner. Now, most chairmen nowadays wouldn't even know who the physio, physio but that's how the club was. Yeah. Everybody knew everybody at that club. We talk about the days when John Ray, Don Waters, all the everybody were on that team coach. Chairman, directors. Today, like, you've got about two or three coaches taking the staff and everybody. Mm, yeah. And we'd always playing cards. I always remember, like, Billy, uh, me coming from Halifax Town, and we had Jim, who used to get on, and you used to do your, your steak and chips with your peas <laughs> and gato, and he'd be serving everybody. And you come back, say, like, from Plymouth. In the end, Billy used to say, right, Jim, we're all doing pigs. Instead of having steak and chips and all this, we want steak sandwiches because it's interfering with the card game. So, <laughs> so you'll have your steak get sandwiches instead. Like, so we, and these days, they're all having individual nutritional plans oh, and all yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff, Listen, aren't they? Hey, but also, like I said to me, Don Water thing and the power what they had. And to be fair, they were obviously Leeds United through and through in lots of ways. And Billy, I think, no, after one particular game, when we got a really heavy hammer, he said, right, you, you two, and me and Dave Bentley over the assistant manager, were in his office, right, and he said to John and uh, to Don, he said, right, this is a title I want put on paper tomorrow, right, I'm apologising to, you've only got me 7-2 at Stoke, he said, I'm apologising to the fans and everything, so I want this. And he was dictating yeah. what he wanted. And I know Rebbe, Rebbe really did have this. He, made, he managed his press, didn't he, very, very yeah, carefully. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they, what they call it, so, you know, they were allowed to run the course because you get some reporter probably going on, I remember it being a, I remember being at Halifax Town Real Live reporting on, but then he's earwigging to all what's going on, and then he's printing little things, right. you know. And so they, they were so professional. They, they were here. The players were at back. They were here, and that was it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So I was going to say 1996 then, when, when just going back to the League Cup final, when yep. the wheels start to come off for Howard Wilkinson. Yep. Was there a sense that that was happening inside the club? Yeah, well... Had, had the atmosphere changed? Yeah, that day, I'm sat behind the manager 
and he looked like a broken man. The way the fans reacted, and what I think for me, what they forget is, look what it took to get there. Now, yeah. on the day, nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, nobody knows what's going to happen on the day. You know, you, you just have a... And Villa did, did have a, a great, great track record at uh, Wembley in the League Cup finals, and it's like as if Villa didn't exist with the players. Oh, well, they're not as good as us. But, you know, they had a very, very good side, mm. Villa. People don't realise what a good side they had, you know, that day. They forget, you know, we got through all them rounds, semi-final, everything to get there. And on the day, no, you know, nobody knows. The fact, the fact that it was a five o'clock kickoff probably didn't help. and Everyone was boozing all day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're probably right. I remember my friend Harvey Sharman overcame Ed Pizzo. Harvey's a big Chelsea supporter. And one day, I'm, I've been doing some treatment with Mick Jones. And Mick, you know, great fella, Mick. You know, and uh, and he's come down. I said to Mick, oh, this is Harvey. He was Ed Pizzo by then. This is Harvey. I said, big Chelsea supporter. <laughs> and Mick said, Tell you what, could always beat him in Leeds, but could never beat him in Cup. Yeah. And if you look at Leeds, if you look at Leeds' tr- Cup record over the years, they won FA Cup, they won the League Cup, but, you know, look how many finals or look what they've done yeah. with the Revia, what, what they've lost. You know, they've never really, for me, been a Cup team. We've always been like a league, like a marathon team. What, see out, you know, see out season, see out, grind them results out. As in, in some ways, as an outsider looking in some ways, Looking back at the track record from yeah. there. A couple of European semis, but yeah, domestically, waste yeah. of time every year. Third, yeah. out, out third round every year, isn't it? But, we, but you're right, though. We have always tended to grind, and it's always been difficult as well, but we've ground out. Like, yeah. You think back, the promotion season was a grind. Winning the title, we had to dig in towards the end, didn't we? Like, yeah. even promotion a couple of years back, it was a proper grind yeah. right until And the you end. look at 2010, when really we should have been mm. up by the end, uh, yeah. end of March that year, like, you know what I mean? But they, they got second place, didn't we? Get promotion get promotion that year. So so when Howard went in 1996, what what was it like inside the club at that point when, when he went? Because the fans had pretty much turned and there was the Man United 4-0, which was kind of the, the straw that broke I the, think, I think, the camel's back. And I do, think, do you think Howard, do you think, I don't want to chuck you under the bus here, but do you think no. Howard had lost it at that point or did he deserve more time? Or No, I think, look, funny enough, I think at the time, I'm not sure, I think we were sort of like or fifth in league or sixth in not league. Not far off, yeah. We weren't far off there, like, you know what I mean? But I got the feeling war my own little feeling, and this is only personal, that what happened at Wembley, it did seem to be a different person after that. Like, you know, half the time you come into a dressing room and players are having, you know, we should be doing this, you know, and then he'd come in and say, hey, you lot, shut up. This is what we're doing, you know, this is what we're doing. And he seemed to lose a little bit of that after that. You know, I just thought he just lost a little bit of that after that. You know what I mean? It wasn't quite as, you know, especially when you had the, like the Palmers and these people all playing at that time. Like, you know, it just that seemed to just go a little bit. And yet we, we started off quite well the next year. But also, it also tied in with, and I think it tied in with it with uh, with them selling the club as well mm. to this Caspian. Yeah. So I think that had a bearing. So whether, whether he would have stayed anyway or whether he, he'd have kept him, and I think probably bringing George Graham in, because as you know, he were on, he'd been on suspension and because of what had happened at Arsenal with his yep. thing. But I think he was very, very friendly with people from, so whether they would have said, we're going to change the manager anyway. Regardless, mm. because you know, I mean, look, we got beat by Man United, but it four 0 or mm. something like that. Yeah, we got beat. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cantona scored as well, didn't he? That in that one, he did, but he missed a penalty as well. Yeah, because I remember at half time he missed a penalty in the first half. Because I remember at half time coming in, he said, "Well, look, I'll tell you what, they're feeling the pressure same as us." Because even though Cantona has missed a penalty, I remember that being said at half time. Yeah. But for me personally, it was a horrendous weekend. Not just that, but my son's best friend in a in a, in a bike ride, Matt Millen got hit by a car and he died the following day when oh, we're God. all in 
And I always remember going out. Uh, we all got called into the manager's office to say that, right, that's it. My last day, I'm, I'm, I've been finished. Here. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm finished. Paul Hart's taking over. And first thing Paul Hart said to me was, you better ring all them up and tell Gunnar Haller because we've signed Gunnar Haller. And he was due to come over that day and just say, can you tell them to say Gunnar Haller, hold it all on there not to come yet because the manager's gone and the new manager... Oh, well, I don't think he, Paul, knew the new manager coming at that point. But obviously, George Grave came in the next day. So, so when did you get to speak to Howard then as he was leaving? And what does not, he say? not really. No, does no, he not, no, not is really. Is it not like a, no, a no, final goodbye? No, no, no. It was just more or less a general thing to everybody that were leaving. And that's, I think I rang him maybe at home or something like that afterwards, like, you know yeah. what I mean? But, uh, but, but that was it really, like, you know, that were the, uh, that were the end of it. And presumably, it, was, it would have been hurting at that point. So you've got words of consolation, even though you'd maybe they clashed across well, the years. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, it's. <sighs> My, you know, my relationship with him, purely professional, purely what they call it. I know he once said about me, I know he once said about me, I once sat at a table at a dinner, and he was on top table, just like us around here. Yeah, yeah. And I had person there, person there. This is the early days of being at Leeds. And I must have got chatting about with this person here, and I got chatting with that person there. And he said to me next day, he said, I can't believe how you could just, I'm watching you, how you can just have a conversation with somebody you haven't even known in your life. And you, you chat with him all night, you chat with him all night. What about this? Uh, he said, there's people what paid money to be able to, be able to communicate with other people who were in top jobs. But you see, I put that back to, to my life, you know, being Plaggard and Kerber. And it was up to me as a kid to learn how to have friends or meet friends. Yeah, it was yeah. just my upbringing, you know, living in Canada, land, which I talk a little bit about that when I landed in Canada, Toronto, no job, nowhere to stay, you know, back in 1967. And so it was up to me to meet and com- communicate with people. You know, it became second nature to me probably in life. And I put in the book like, you know, so after that I thought, oh, we're like him, like him throwing me a bone, you know what I mean? <laughs> As a compliment, like, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So, but that's how it, you know. That was how it was being nice. That, that was, yeah, that was, that was where it being nice, like, you know what I mean? Maybe, so, maybe recognising a bit of a skill in someone else that he maybe didn't have himself, I guess. Well, <laughs> I, think he, I think he had it, but he, he knew a lot. Of, like I know Mick, I think you have to have tapes and that, you know what I mean, to try and improve himself, communicate with people. Mm. You know, it's like anything, you know, you're about your boy scoring goals. I think the big problem with, with like with Eddie, well, definitely Billy, I think sometimes when they were managers, they expected everybody to be able to play like them. The can't, you know, because Gary McAllister still a great friend. And, and I said to Gary, you know, when he was manager and he had some of these players coming in and then, you know, to play Ellen Road in front of that crowd, you know, there have been some great players for other clubs. They've come to Allen Road and they've really struggled mm. because they're in front of that crowd. Like, why, why is that? Because they can be very unforgiving. And I'll give you a couple of examples. A lad who was at club who I rated really great, not only that, as a professional, as a professional, he was brilliant. I couldn't take that away. He made maybe one mistake, two mistakes, and then you would have come play him again. But yet then he went to another club Played in Premiership, got player of the year, and we're in the team all the time. You know what I'm talking about? No. No, go on. Stevie Craney. Okay, right, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. thinking about it. yeah. 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 You remember in that bottom corner? And I think it was against Derby. He made a mistake and we got beat 1-0. But he knew the crowd them would never, mm. they'd be look, waiting for him next time to make a mistake. I like the League United left-back curse. I was going to say, It yeah. took a long I, time to get over it. I, I, and, and by the way, Ian Hart, I think he took a, a lot of abuse. I think a lot of it goes back to Tony Dorigo being so good, probably. And so if he's the gold standard that you've watched, because yeah. I, I love Tony Dorigo, he's my favourite player. And then everybody who follows after him, you want him to be as quick and yeah. as direct. And, and it's yeah. so hard, he probably you know, suffered you know, by that. You know, yeah. I don't mention book and I were there that day. 
You know where they got his nickname from, don't you? Which one? Tommy DeRigo. Tell me. Yeah. You know where that come from? Where from? When we first signed him, he's had a, he had to have an hernia operation, so he didn't play for a while. So when we got, got him back, we were over in Ireland, right, in Cork, and he was sub. And so said, right, we'll put him out last 20 minutes. So this Irish, uh, <laughs> Irish announcer said, I was talking to him about this. Ah, he, right, said, right. I, he said, Leeds United, you 1.2 million pound player, Tommy Dorigo. <laughs> ah, <right. laughs> and he said, and when I talked to Tony about this, yeah. he said, you know what, worse for you what? He said, even the manager started calling me Tommy after Brilliant. that. <laughs> you, you just know when you're in a group of mates, like a group of blokes, like, it's never going to go so, away, is it? I know. And like, even now, I think Kells and I still call him Tommy. Yeah. But I still, still call him Tommy. Like, you're Tommy Dorigo. You know what I mean? So you were basically in charge of multi-million pound assets, looking after their legs and making sure they could play. Do you ever kind of feel a sense of responsibility around that where you're thinking, oh God, I've got to be careful here. This one's got expensive legs. No, I just dealt with a person. I just dealt with a person. An injury is an injury. And what I'm going to say, I was saying to you earlier, and I'll give you another example. Obviously, I was the physio for the first seven years on my own. And then 93, and rightly so, Wilkinson decided that he brought Jeff Lovely back. Now, Jeff's a great friend. He got me a job in first place. But at that time, it was all changing. The premiership was changing. Sky money were coming in. The players are saying, maybe we need more help. You know, I'm not sure about this. Fair enough. He brought Jeff in. So Jeff's in charge. And number two. And uh, everybody said, oh, Sultz had been dropped to number two. And, but actually, now a lot of physios have said, right, that's it, I'm leaving. But no, uh, I accepted. I could, you know, from being a flagging and Kerber, and this is where I write back at end, from being a flagging and Kerber, I'm at Leeds United as a physio. I started off as a glorified first aider and I've ended up winning two championships. But also I recognised at that time the stress of it all was getting harder and harder. God knows what my blood pressure would have been at that point because <laughs> I know before I left, it was 190, 110 after one game. Right, that feels high. That yeah. is, when you, should be, when you should be 135, 80. Yeah. That was high. And that was after the Man City game when, we, when I went with Bees to open. But no, so what I did, you see, when a lot of people would have said, that's it, because I want not charge anything, and that's what they're looking at nowadays. And I said, no, what he'll do now, A, I can, he'll give me time to just do a bit of private physio, but also learn how to play golf, because I always wanted to learn how to play golf. And that's where I looked at it, so I can get on with other things I want to do, but yet I'm still involved with the first team with everybody. So you treat it as an opportunity rather than a door closing, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. And also, I'm still going to be involved with the first team. You know, remember the time I do the first team, I do the reserve, so I'm travelling with the reserve. That's what I'm saying. That's why me and my wife never saw each other. And she, <laughs> she was a nurse, yeah. so she had, you know, she was a community nurse. So that's why I'm going back to this, uh, that 40 years, never seen each other type of thing. And uh, I think the only ones, obviously, that I'm, I've only had more often, they're telling me to not to, were uh, obviously two young children growing up, and uh, obviously I, I never really got to see them as much time as I wanted to spend with them. But you know, they've had no problem with that. So then I also be involved with the juniors as well. And you look at some of the players what came from them, so it gave me early doors of dealing with them. And I just treat them the same as, as I would first team or whatever, that's what I'm saying. So after after the League Cup in 96, the uh, the juniors, because I'm involved with them, this is the start of another era. Then you've got the Woodgates, the uh, Robinsons, the Matt Fales, and all these people all coming through. You know, Addy Kules, they're all coming through. So I'm involved with them. And then I really got to know them. We went to Dallas Cup, so I went to Dallas with them. That season, they won the well, the, the season before '96, they won the League Cup, and that would have start. And what people don't think, I know anyone said it's only the first team, but you know you've got to get these players winning, 
you know, mentality of winning. And that year, and that's when Mark Jackson and people like that, they had a, I always remember with Lee Matthews, on the Monday before the League Cup final against Newcastle at York on the Friday, he took them to Blackpool. He did a bit of bonding. I think he took them all out of school with uh, Eddie Gray, Paul Hart, and I think Robin Ray all went to Blackpool. Well, Lee Matthew had a problem, and he was like, great striker for him in them days, for youth team. So Artie said, right, is he fit? I said, well, 50-50 at the moment. So I'll tell you what, we're running from this pace to that pace. If he can run from this pace <laughs> to that pace, then I'll consider him for Friday. <laughs> so Lee said to me, Alan, I've no chance. I've not honestly, you know, an ankle, you know. I said, I'll tell you what, come on, here's what we'll do. I said, give us five minutes, right, to Artie. So what I did, I took him down to the sea and put him in sea. Well, you know how cold sea is, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. North Sea. And his ankle just froze up. Yeah. Right, he just went solid frozen. I said, right, what I'm going to do, you're going to run in the water. Then it doesn't look like you're limping around like that. And they run from pace to pace in the water and we got through with it. He said, right, if you don't tell me anything else, he, he, what they call it, he said that he's played on Friday. And, and I spoke to Lee with him since then. And he just said, Alan, he said, you worked with me all that week. And I know you worked mainly first team, but you, you know, he helped me out. The play he played, I got I put a strapping on, but more like a, a pot. All I can say is, they won 2 0. He made the first and scored the second. But the thing was, they started winning, that youth team started learning how to start to winning. And yep. they had that winning mentality. And that's where you start. Then the following year, they won the league and they won the FA Cup. That's the FA Youth Cup. FA yeah, Youth yeah, Cup. Yeah. They won the FA Youth Cup. And then you started to get like the, the Woodgates and all that. And then, of course, that was during George Graham's time. Then, of course, just after that, he left, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So straight away, O'Leary gets the job and he put Stephen McPhail and Jonathan Woodgate into the first team against Polis or something like mm -hmm. that. So what I'm saying, look how many players you got out of that. Yeah, yeah. But he's getting that winning mentality. And even like the Paul Shepherds, I know he's doing time at the moment, but Paul Shepherd, Mark Jackson, Jacko, he's in the first team. Andy Cousin gets a run in the first team. That's from the 93... Yep. FA Youth Cup mm. winning side. And then you look then to 2000 and then, you, and then you're into Champions League as well. You're in your, so you look at that 10 year from 90 to, to 2000 yep. or what really the club did at every level. And also, after 97 winning FA Youth Cup, the following year, the year the reserves won the league, beating Man United Liverpool for the yeah. league. People forget about that. People forget about the reserves that even was a thing as well because that's gone now, isn't it? It's the 23s now. But. Yeah. But the reserves, and they won the reserves. Yeah. 97-98 season, they won the reserve league. And it was a lot of those young lads, wasn't it? Who were... A lot, yeah. You've got Robert Molinine there. You've got Lee Matthews. You've got Matt Fail. You've got Woodgate. You've got Mark Jackson. Uh, Damian Lynch. Who didn't quite just make it, but they're all... Uh, Andy Wright, who's now one of the coaches up there. He was all part of it, like, you know what I mean? Little right, like... It's about yeah. setting a culture at a club, I guess, isn't it? And I think I Thorpe Arch helped with that as, as well, as about pushing the club forward. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, obviously, the manager wanted to do a separate place, and... I can understand why, because for the first 10 years, you lived, breathed, played, everything was at Ellen Road. When you went to Four Parts, you only saw Ellen Road on a match day. So it's like, a big lift like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then again, you see, then you look at Fulton Car Park, you know, now, but when it were them two pitches, that were legendary in football mm -hmm. around the world, that Fulton Car Park. Like, I mean, obviously, Damn United also, yeah, yeah, yeah. also showed you just what, you know, what it was in them days like, you know? Yeah, and the, like the blue facade of the West Stand and all that, yeah, yeah. That's what I was talking about, about that first day I go and park my card up, which were an old banger, I think, in them days. Uh, but some Indian, uh, I got a deal over in Bradford with some Indian people, like, you know. And I walked through then and look up at the blue sign and you opened that door and I said, once I walked through there, every day had to be like the first day 
because it could also be your last day as well. And that was the attitude you mm. had to have. And I think that's probably for a lot of people. They get lousy and... and, and I've think, arrived now, yeah. I've arrived, but yeah. no, it's every day you have to go with the same attitude and give your best shot for everybody like, you know what I mean? And that were it, you know. Well, let's, I would say we've, we've spoken for bloody ages now. Um, and I feel like we're, we're yeah. still only about a third of the way through. I know, probably. I know. But um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, what we'll do is we'll do some more stuff, a couple more questions for our TSB Plus members as well. A couple of questions, if you don't sure. like to just hang no, around. No um, problem at all. So if you're, if you're a member, you can find those over on the um, on the TSB Plus feed. But thank you so much for coming in. And the, we'll give another mention to the book, which is my journey there. Pavement, because you you were putting down pavements and curbstones, weren't oh, you? If you look the, the, at that, you've referred to it throughout this story, but we haven't explained that. That's yeah, what you started out as. Yeah, I started off with a flag and a curb. Putting down pavements in Bradford. Yeah, and also what happened then, uh, I was playing football. I actually ended up, and there's a picture in there, I actually ended up playing for Bradford Park Avenue over the Portland Region team in their reserves. Bigger than Bradford City as well, some would tell you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're right. Uh, the law, I think at that time, they'd always get a, if, if both teams were equal, Park Avenue will get at least 3,000 people more than what Bradford City would at that point. Mm. But, you know, there's a photograph there, and I'm, I'm playing with, like, Kevin Hector. Yeah. I went on to play for Derby County and people like that. And uh, uh, and Eric Burns, who was in there, I've just been in Australia, and I met up with him in 55 years, and we met up while we were in Australia this time, like, you know. And, uh, yeah, some uh, some great, uh, great people. Yeah, there's some, there's some great photos. I'm just flicking through, looking at the photos now of you with so many characters from the recent and... Not too recent history of Leeds United, and it's brilliant. I can't wait to read it, actually. The, uh, and obviously, I spent a lot of time with Lucas, and there's a, there's a picture in there where we're at his wedding in uh, South Africa. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, Lucas for another who, wow, you know, he came over, him and filmed a singer. Just to spend time with him, when he had this injury, and he'd been on a Sunday morning, and he'd tell you about life with a party and, and what happened to him. And I'd been to, I actually went to his house in Soweto, and if you saw where, where he lived, and to get out of there and end up have a career in, in premiership like he did, you, you know, I think I did all right by being a flagger and curber. Well, I'll tell you, no compared <laughs> no, no compa- to what, how he, what he I was going to say, I know it's a bit dangerous in Bradford sometimes, but you probably didn't get shot. Bradford in them days, the 16 was a great city, I'll tell you that. It was a fantastic city. I live there, it's still fine, it's all right, most of it. <laughs> well, you then. <know. laughs> Some of it, uh, but listen, Alan. Thank you so much for coming. It's been it's been brilliant, and I feel like we could do another five hours. So uh, you stay there, and we'll we'll, I will. we'll we'll get the camp beds out, and we'll go, we'll stay up all night and do it. But sincerely, thank you, and please do go buy the book. It's available now. You can get it on Amazon and all good bookshops. I think yeah, we've got to, we've got uh, United one. have got it in theirs, and, and Waterstone said they're putting it in theirs as well. If you're watching the video version, there it is on uh, on screen for you. That Alan Sutton, my journey, and it's. I'm going to say it's a brilliant read. I know it's going to be a brilliant read before I even get into it. So uh, I look forward to reading that. I, I Pro- problem is, I've probably told you after story, so you might have to skip some of it. <laughs> no, so. there's, there's absolutely bucket loads in there. Alan, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you very much. Cheers. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 